it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games this world has to offer. All right. Man, it's been a minute since we've recorded remotely, for sure. It has. It has. It has. Unfortunately, Trust Fund has run out and we are back, uh, back home, back remote. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's crazy yeah. because it's not only that. I think uh, we, we kind of stocked up on our episodes for a little while. We stocked up uh, four episodes. We haven't recorded in a minute, honestly, in general. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> like, we haven't recorded a game episode in a minute. We, we had a lot going on. Um, you know, you were traveling a little bit. Um, I had my birthday party to plan, which was mm-hmm. happened this past weekend and was super, super fun. We're definitely going to talk about it because there's actually things related um, that the podcast listeners might really mess with. So mm-hmm. um, that happened. Uh, a war started since we last war recorded. Started. Literally, uh, pretty, pretty insane there. And um, you know, I don't want to like push the agenda or anything. But hey, you know, our deepest sympathies to the Ukrainian people. Anybody out there trying to find, um, you know, any sort of peace, um, running to the borders, you know, trying to dodge misinformation, dodge bullets and missiles and things like that. Um, you know, obviously our hearts go out to you. So hopefully people out there are staying safe. It's a crazy world out there. Yeah, Um, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, What else? What else has been going on? Oh, PS5. PS5. Tell them, tell them, talk talk to them about it. I, okay, ladies and gentlemen. We had, we had all ditch effort. It was really all or nothing. Yeah, 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 it was crazy. It was actually like a three prong um, effort to to do this for me. Now Mm -hmm. I got a PS5. It happened on Thursday uh, Mm -hmm. through Walmart's, restock most recent Mm -hmm, restock mm -hmm. it was a pretty big restock um i actually got a notification for the restock from a friend of the pod slash brother-in-law orion um that might be a world reveal that orion is my brother-in-law uh the discord might not know that um now you guys know (laughs) uh he sent me a text and said hey walmart's restocking you gotta do it and um you know i bought walmart plus 13 dollar investment i bought walmart plus yeah, Matt bought Walmart Plus because he wanted <laughs> to help me get it. Get it. Yeah. Um, I this is gonna be a hot take, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was successful with getting the PS5 through this method. Okay, so my hot take is the paywall works. Yeah. Yes to the paywall. Okay. Now there's shoe raffles. I've tried a few myself. Um, a lot of people out there have probably tried to get a PS5 before. Raffles online are tough. You have to get into a line. The site crashes. The web page sucks. All that stuff. The paywall solves for that. Okay. No one's going to bot the Walmart plus PS5 restock because they got to pay not, $13. Not not economically it's, efficient. Exactly. Exactly. So. And honestly, and, too, I feel like the willingness for scalp people to buy the scalpers PS5s or Xboxes for that matter is dropping as well. So. Yeah, it probably plays into it. Exactly. I got in, refreshed my page at nine o'clock and two seconds. 15 minute wait, waited for 15 minutes, got in my cart, paid, we're good. And so you're uh, saying buy calls on Walmart. Yes, buy calls on Walmart. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that Walmart gets criticized for, but the I will say that the PS5 restock went very smoothly through Walmart for me. Yeah. So pretty happy about that. Elden Ring coming up. I know um, some of the pod, a a lot of friends of mine, a lot of friends of ours are actually playing Elden Ring. Um, Somebody, a friend of mine, left my birthday party early to go play Elden Ring. I don't know if you heard that, but uh, I was like, you're not coming to the after party, bro? (laughs) He was like, sorry, man, got to get home and play Elden Ring. I was like, respect, respect. (laughs) Got our priority straight. Yeah. And uh, we're excited to dive into it. It's on our schedule. Um, We got this game right now, which is To the Moon. Uh, Hitman 3 and then uh, Elden Ring. So Matt and I are pretty, pretty stoked. Got a lot coming up. Got a lot coming up. And hey, do you have any... Well, actually, first, Lucas, why, why don't you tell them what the bracket you ran at uh, oh, at uh, your, your party today or last weekend? So uh, last weekend, it was my birthday. And um, it was my birthday earlier in the month, um, early February, but uh, pushed it back all the way to um, the 26th because... Omicron was surging, um, wanted to give people a buffer, wanted to wait for the surge to die down and everything. Uh, luckily, it did. And uh, so I got a bunch of people in the park and, uh, you know, had a birthday party in the park. Uh, it was awesome. It was super, super cool. A lot of people showed up, a lot of friends, family showed up. And uh, I bought some $25 AMC gift cards 
and um, they went to the winner of a rock paper scissors bracket. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we ran, bracket, we ran like people. a twenty-five man slash woman rock paper scissors double elimination bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually run by Hot Mickey, which was really cool. Um, he was a really, really great TO, <laughs> really great host, like commentating, TOing, like hyping everything up. Uh, it was super, super, super fun. Like my girlfriend lost to my dad or no, my dad lost to my girlfriend. I can't remember. My brother lost to my sister-in-law or the other way around. <laughs> it was just like was plenty. Chaos. Yeah, it was chaos. Um, and a meta developed. A meta developed. Uh, yeah. This is what this is what me and Matt were talking about before we hit record. Like genuinely, a, a strategy and a meta developed like in a microcosm at this at this park on a Saturday. It was really, I mean, it was totally a case study or like a way to observe. <laughs> it was straight up like Ender's Game type of stuff. Like the game developed so quickly. Once somebody found a strategy, another person found another strategy and started countering it. And it was like some people. For instance, first strategy, um, if you were playing against a dude, there was a high chance that he was going to throw rock first. This is actually a statistical thing. Um, If you're playing rock, paper, scissors against a dude, for some reason, he's just most likely going to throw rock first. Um, It proved itself at the park on Saturday. Katie, my girlfriend, um, knew this. I told her this and she started throwing paper and she made top eight. Um, pretty quick. It was it was pretty awesome. Um, and the other thing is repetition or unpredictability. I noticed that when I went, if I people like to try something else if they fail. Okay, so if they if they go paper, I go scissors. They will probably not go paper again. Just instinctively, they're gonna go. Oh, that thing I did with my hand didn't really work. I'm gonna do the other thing with my hand. So I'm going to most likely go paper or rock again, right? Because they're most likely not going to go through throw paper. Mm-hmm, so I could either mm-hmm. tie it. So, so there's all these like strategies that were developing like that. But then there was the coveted quadruple rock. Uh, I forget who it was, but somebody just threw rock the whole time and like got all the way to top eight. I think it might have been. Ah, man, I, I forget. Might have been remember, but smart either way, though. I think it might have been Sean. They beat um, one of our good friends, Abel, um, just quadruple rock. It was pretty, pretty miraculous and um, really, really funny. So anyway, that's the Rock, Paper, Scissors rant. Um, It was awesome and I highly recommend if you get a good group of people together, definitely throw some Rock, Paper, Scissors brackets out and a meta will develop. Hell yeah, I love that. And uh, really quickly note before we jump to the episode here today, everyone, um, if you do enjoy seeing Lucas Knight in the studio, don't worry, that content will be coming back. Uh, All jokes aside, though, it's just not always totally efficient for us to get into the studio and yeah. it also does cost a fair bit of money that racks up pretty quickly um eh, not that much but like enough to make us not do it every episode well, i guess honestly uh, it's the distance it's like a it's 35 distance, so we gotta drive, drive a bit to get to it yeah, yeah which so. takes time as well but i uh, will definitely be back in there soon and probably be a good mix of like i'd say maybe half episodes remote like we're doing right now in river in our studio virtual studio half in studio maybe 75 25 60 40 something like that but we'll definitely be back in there soon it's a great space but um, the content's all the same for the audience i think yeah I, I i just i know everyone's just gonna have great memories um of our episodes <laughs> no matter no matter where they listen to them and speaking of memories lucas today we are talking about the number one tearjerker memory replacement simulator to the moon. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. That's right. The 2011 story-driven pixel art game by Can Gao and uh, Freebird mm-hmm. Games. Um, Games. Sorry, Can Con. Can or Con? Um, we're not totally sure. <laughs> I have not heard uh, the developer's name spoken aloud. I've only read it, so my apologies if uh, this individual is listening. Uh, seven and a half from IGN. Eight out of ten from Gamespot. Five out of five on GamePro, and a solid 84 out of 100 on Metacritic for the Switch port. 
We're going to get into it, but I have a I have a bone to pick with the IGN's review on this for a very specific reason. Okay. Um, and really quick, you to everyone, before we give a brief explanation of the game and all that good stuff, um, just want to give a quick mention. If you have any questions for us, maybe, or want to just come hang out and talk, don't forget, we do have a Discord. You can find our Discord on our website, thankyouplaying.live, as well as you can find it on our Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok handles in the link trees and the bio. And the handles for all that is TFP Podcasts. Again, that's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end and our website is thanksforplaying.live uh, you can find the links to the Discord there and if you have any questions for us shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com and as always feel free to leave a review on Spotify leave a review on podcast helps us grow helps us get out there organically and get the word out there to all of you the beautiful listeners well said well said love it but yeah this is a this is a really cool game and it, it's generally really well received uh, I, I have a feeling not a lot of people have heard about it actually um, I could be wrong on that but I, 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 I hadn't heard about it until we played I think it. it's more it's definitely more on the indie side so I, I'd like to give a brief synopsis uh, of the story here just so everyone has somewhat of an idea of what we're talking about so to the moon the player assumes the role of Sigma Corp employees Dr. Ava Rosaline and Dr. Neil Watts Segment owns a technology that can create artificial memories within people. Since the technology is so controversial and can conflict with real memories, the procedure is only legal to use on dying, comatose patients. It is offered as a wish fulfillment service. Neil and Ava are then tasked with fulfilling the wish of dying Johnny Wiles, who simply wishes to go to the moon. The two doctors enter Johnny's memories and begin the journey of crafting an experience for Johnny to get to the moon while learning about his tragic past and his romance with his wife, River. Okay, great synopsis. To the moon. Yeah. Um, deceptively simple, I'd say, or like pretty deceptively straightforward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's two scientists going into a house at night and, um, you know, putting on some gear, entering the memories of, of this main character, I guess, um, you know, uh, the, the main patient, Johnny, John, Jonathan, John, Johnny, John, Johnny. I feel like Joey. he goes by different names throughout. Jo- hang on. That's a spoiler. I feel like he goes by other other names throughout, but I think he's mostly referred to as John. Um, yeah. And, you know, you kind of go backwards through his memories and see all these different set pieces and um, these different, um, you know, him when he's in, a young man, when he first gets married, you see his wedding, you see him in high school, you see him as a young child. Um, and you go backwards through all these memories and kind of get a picture of his life um, over time, starting with the very end. So one of the first memories you see of John is him standing over his his um, late wife's grave. And then as you move backwards, you meet his wife, you find out how they met, when they met, how old they were. Um, and the story kind of starts coming together. And it's, um, you know, the whole thing, it sounds funny. He wants to go to the moon. And it's revealed later on about why he wants to go to the moon. And it ends up being a lot more beautiful and tragic um, than anything you could ever imagine. Um, so wonderful, uh, deceptively, deceptively straightforward plot. And um, man, <laughs> two very initial well thoughts. Very well-renowned, honestly, too. Just because, I mean, it uh, won, had a very good showing at the 2011 Game Awards. It won Best sto- Story over Saw Portal that. 2. Phantom Detective, Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, and Catherine in Xenoblade Chronicles. So, very, very well-renowned game, and was also nominated a bunch of other categories. Best Music, Most Memorable Moment, Best Writing Slash Dialogue, Best Ending, Song of the Year, um, and it's even on Game Radar's Top 100 Games in the List. Who would have yeah, thought? Yeah, it's um, it's good, and, and you know, I'll jump straight into initial thoughts. Um, I love this game. Um, I loved it. I thought it had a very... A cohesive logical setup um you know with with a premise like this right w- with a story-driven game it can really run away very quickly with itself where um you know your your scientists jumping into the memories and the thoughts of of a dead man to fulfill his wish you know basically in a fake sort of way through his memories and it all works it all like makes so much sense when you're kind of in that world um like the first memory that you see is man this is this was just kind of when it like really clicked for me so i'm kind of combining these but when you approach john in a within a memory so he's mm-hmm. in real life on his deathbed you approach him in the memory and he says oh i know who you are i've actually been thinking about calling you and you go and you you the scientists say like yep it's us from sigmund corp and we're here to like fulfill your dream of going to the moon and he says 
So this is a memory that I'm in right now, you know? And it's like, oh, whoa, like he... I, His I memory to, realizes he's in a memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh man, that that like immediately kind of struck me where, you know, there's so many times and it's something I've been thinking about so much lately is like when you're experiencing real life, you know, there's a chance that you're experiencing a memory, you know, and I definitely want to go into that a little bit later. I, I kind of wrote some stuff out in regards to that. It's but, almost like the uh, the inception of gaming. Yeah, like, you know, what's, man, What what's real, what's not real is a memory just as good as the present moment. Is it the same yeah. thing as the present moment, you know? And is the game a memory of, great even if it's not real, right? Exactly. The game immediately yeah. establishes those kind of rules right away. Um, so everything we're seeing is a memory. It has to follow these certain rules. And then at a certain point, these rules kind of get altered or broken or like, you know, especially when there's that part near the end um, or, you know, we're just going to jump into spoiler territory now. Um, like when you, they have to use the smell of roadkill to really like jog John's memory from when he yeah, was a child to yeah. like trigger really early childhood memories. Um, you know, following the rules where a physiological reaction in real life is actually impacting what they're doing inside of the memory world. Um, those kinds of things, I think the story really shine through. Um, again, very cohesive logical setup within a set 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 established rules that then kind of evolve and then get broken and get altered. Yeah, no, it's so what it what it really does so well is like you mentioned it establishes those rules right away and it sticks to them like a T. And honestly, it makes a lot more sense the way it's all described than fucking like Inception does, which is a really confusing movie. <laughs> um and yeah, it's interesting cuz I played this game originally around 2016-2017, I want to say. Uh, while I was in college, I didn't really have like a nice PC or anything or any consoles. So I was kind of just playing a bunch of random indie games that my laptop could run. And this was one of them. Um, and it just really, really always stuck out to me. I remembered. And I also always remembered it as being one of the only games to ever make me cry. Um, Same. And that stuck true this playthrough as well. Because thankfully I'd, I'd forgotten. I, I knew a good bit of the story, but I had forgotten a fair bit as well. Like kind of how it ended and stuff like that. Um so it was all very fresh to me in that regard and getting to go back into it for like all the reasons Lucas said was just such a treat and kind of learning about it a little bit more as well. I'm really blown away by this game and I, I love these 16 bit games like this, like this or um, Undertale, you know, it's such a timeless style and I love seeing that games like this is just, oh, composed by one person, you know, or oh, it's just all made in RPG maker or what have you, because it really shows that anyone can make games if they really want to. And anyone can, I mean, I don't, I could be wrong, but I don't believe, um, the developer Kongao had any formal training. He yeah. Just really. Yeah. yeah. He just, I mean, he built it on a very publicly available. It's not, you know, like a, anyone it's, can it's jump RPG in RPG maker. maker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that, you know, um, RPG maker sometimes gets like a lot of flack. Uh, because there are a lot of like for lack of a better word just like rpg maker shovelware just like really bad examples of games or games that people just kind of make as experiments or you know just to get their feet wet on something or to make video games like they use rpg maker a lot so this game you know i think it when i say oh yeah play this rpg maker game it kind of like might might spark a lot in people's heads um but you know this this game is um it just has a really phenomenal story. Um, we, we'll jump into game design eventually. I don't think there's a ton there, but um, RPG Maker is is not a bad engine <laughs> or anything. Or like, you know, I think some games have like made that rep not so great. Um, this is definitely an exemplary example of something that is great made with that engine. Yeah, and what I love about this game too is it it... It leaves a lot open to interpretation as far as how you choose to view the scientist, how you choose to view whether someone willingly having their memories manipulated is good or bad. And then the ending of this game as well also kind of has you tackling with those issues. Um, again, spoiler territory. Uh, spoiler straight up, not territory. <laughs> <laughs> we're just in spoiler um, territory we're still. Just in spoiler. It's really hard to like, because the... the the main thing in this game is the story. The, so it, it's kind of hard to like analyze the game without talking about the story, to be honest. Yeah. That said, so one of the main things is um, John's wife, River, has um, not explicitly said, 
but it's very alluded to some developmental disorder or Asperger's syndrome, something in that nature. And she's not the best communicator because of that. And Johnny actually, when he was younger, had memories blocked due to a death, uh, his the death of his twin brother. twin brother. And because of that, he does not remember his first meeting with his wife, River. So then later in their life, his wife, River, basically spends like the last you know, 10, 15 years of her life kind of dedicated to subtly trying to you know knock that memory loose of Johnny. And it's really sad because it actually just ends up leaving Johnny incredibly confused and incredibly disconnected and lost from his wife. And then eventually like Johnny does get his wish of going to the moon and he does get to reconnect and understand his wife better in that memory. But then it's also tragic because, you know, his wife's already dead at this point and John's dying and his wife will never know that he actually did get to reconnect those memories and get that back. Right. Um, it's a very sort of bittersweet type of moment. And I, I think it raises questions of, is that ethical? Is it almost maybe even disrespectful to um, the original memory of the wife? And I think you could argue anything each way on that. Um, you, know, you can argue the benefit of it. It was like, yeah, now he does. He doesn't actually understand why his wife was upset in the actual reality or in the real life. Because mm-hmm. he'll never, That's those aren't his memories anymore. They've been replaced. But he and his virtual or his manipulated life he does kind of understand that because he does have those memories and he does understand oh she likes bunny so much because that's what was there when i first met her you know um it's just a very interesting you know moral and ethical question and as well to something i loved is one of the main characters not many characters like one of the side characters in the game nicholas uh johnny's friend throughout like the whole game from childhood to his older life there's a point where he's like, oh, why do you want to, you know, try and go after River so much? Like, what do you see in her so much? And he tells Johnny, oh, it's, or Johnny says, oh, it's because she's so fun. She's so different. And then Nicholas implied, he he asked this question that I think is so poignant. And he just asked, has it ever occurred to you? Maybe she doesn't want to be different. Hmm. And at, when he asked that, that just really was like, dang, um, that, that just hit hard. You know, um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pretend I'm incredibly educated on how people with Asperger's want to be perceived or are trying to be perceived. But I just thought that was a really interesting question to raise. You know, um, Johnny is basically celebrating this girl because she's so different because of her Asperger's, which obviously, I mean, everyone should be celebrated, right? And definitely should not be like looked down on. But maybe it, it raises the question of is Johnny only latching onto that or you know is he not even looking at her as a person he's looking at her as as this sort of unique um individual rather than just another person to connect with uh it, it raises a lot of interesting questions and i'm not really sure where the right or wrong answer on that is because I mean, obviously it's a game right we'll never know johnny's true intentions but that just really wow. really stuck out to me you yeah. uh man you really you really dove into to some well as your second playthrough so I guess yeah. it's, it's understandable. I mean, I definitely didn't get as much depth, oh, man. Yeah. Now I wish I played it through it a second time. Cause a lot of what you're saying is like hitting me for the first time um, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I think one thing I want to touch on with what you just said was, you know, the ethical or moral dilemma with what is actually happening in the game, which is like the altering of someone's life memories, you know? And like at the end of your life, all you really have is your memories. And like, yeah. is it, would you alter the, and you know, um, the developer of this game, Khan Can Gao, um, got a lot of inspiration from this from uh, his own grandparent. Um, and you know, kind of like the ethical or moral dilemma that you would face if, if this situation did exist. And you know, would you, and this is to the audience out there, anybody listening, you know, would you on your grandparents or your parents' deathbed, alter their memories to make them happier. And I'm saying that in air quotes, but like fulfill whatever their wishes, you know, however grand or small or whatever it is, what if it is to go to the moon? Would you replace their entire life, their entire memory to make it so that they did do that, you know? And, you know, memories can be just as real um, to us as anything else. So would you basically erase their life and have them be somebody else? For the yeah. benefit of them being happier and would that even really make them happier because there is this moral dilemma too that they face one of the scientists where 
he can go to the moon, but they have to get rid of his wife. Like they have to sort of erase the memory of his own wife to motivate him to do something else or replace his wife or, or make it so that his twin brother never actually did die when he was a kid, you know, and like really completely changed the course and directory direction of his own life just to fulfill this thing of going to the moon. Um, I think that's such an interesting question. Um, and one that, you know, within not within our lifetime, but I think within the, I mean, I just think that that's a question that we're going to have to eventually come to as a human race, you know, is like memory can and will be altered with at a certain point. Uh, and memory is very fragile. Um, and there will be a point where we have to face that moral dilemma. I think this game kind of gathers like the human side of that so well and just like brings to the front and says like, here's this crazy complicated dilemma, moral, ethical, like even spiritual to a certain degree. How how would you as a human being feel about this? You know, yeah. and bring, brings it all out. I think it's great. Yeah, just so, so remarkable. And yeah, I, I, I love all the questions and kind of bigger, bigger picture questions it raises. It's fun. But uh, I think we can jump into game design a little bit. So, I mean, the game itself is incredibly simple, right? You're just traversing again. And like we already mentioned, the really main allure here is the story. Um, but the game design is simply just traversing through memories, uh, finding whatever mementos you need to find to hop to the next memory yeah and solving really basic puzzle puzzles that's that's the core of the gameplay yeah and they have they, they have some fun moments where you like get to ride horses or you have they have like a joke battle in the beginning <laughs> yeah it was really yeah. funny yeah you basically just like walk through a memory find five unique objects and then move on um, yeah is the basic gameplay loop you do that like 20 20 something times maybe 30 times um, but what the game really does it really just does well with the story just to keep you engaged because obviously the gameplay isn't super it, it you the you don't play this game for the gameplay you play this game because it has an incredible story and if you understand that going into it i think you're really going to enjoy it yeah um because so much they do so well building the world too like before they reveal that you know uh river has uh asperger's essentially they almost kind of make her out to be this sort of like haunting figure in a way um, like what she's doing is like very confusing. Like when they really start diving into it, into the, uh, into the, when, when they're diving through Nick memories and you hear Nick talking, discussing his wife with other people, um, it really creates this kind of like unsettling feeling almost Lucas. I don't know if you got totally. that just with the music around as well. Um, so really, really well done, but something I wanted to touch on as well was I, I was really, really upset that a lot of the critiques of this game were coming from the lack of gameplay. Um, and here's here's what really what really grinded my gears the most was I was uh, so IGN gave this game a seven and a half. Out of curiosity, I thought, okay, well, what's another completely story driven game that doesn't really have any gameplay elements other than just like going story. through the story? And I thought, oh, dear Esther. That's one we did for the podcast too. What do you think IGN gave you gave Dear Esther? <laughs> Didn't they give that one a nine? They gave it an eight. An eight? Okay. So not that much better, but still definitely not better than this game. Girls in our Dear Esther episode. Oh yeah. Seriously. This is um, way better than Dear Esther. And I thought, okay. You know, I mean, I guess depending on what you're looking at, some of the critiques of lack of gameplay is fair. It is a game. So uh, you know, control F uh gameplay on the pa- IGN review page for uh, for to the moon and it just comes up like several times through this interview and then I control or through the review and then I control F it on the dear Esther page and it's not fucking mentioned once really and I'm just and I'm just like man <laughs> what the hell IG- I don't know to be fair I, I understand IGN uses a lot of freelancers so there's going to be a fair bit of variety of how people form their opinions on their games However, this is just another transgression against humanity here from IGN and another transgression against the Thanks for Playing podcast. Um, they, they both were released roughly around the same time, too, because Dear Esther was 2012. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, they're they're both kind of in that wheelhouse. Um, and honestly, this I, I'd argue this game has no, I not even argue this game does have more gameplay than Dear Esther. Yeah, you it know. actually does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it actually has puzzles. So, doesn't even I was puzzles. just so blown I, away by that and well, so upset. <laughs> the, the thing, too, is that, like, 
the 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 themes that emerge with to the moon are like coming from a way more experienced and like deeply human place than dear esther like to me dear esther was just a convoluted piece of mess well it was just like a high it sounded to me like dear esther was like if a high schooler who thought they were super deep wrote a bunch of like poetry and then just like put it into super contrived poetry yeah Yeah. exactly whereas like to the moon it's funny it's lighthearted at times but it's also deeply sad deeply 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 sad way more sad than dear esther um but also funnier than dear esther like it has a higher range and it has like more going chemistry between the two main characters or dr um Dr. Y. Dr. Watts is so good. So funny. (laughs) Totally, totally. Hey, and by the way, on the IGN um, review for To the Moon, um, the reviewer, another IGN critique here, doesn't get the names of the scientists correct. Um, Says Dr. (laughs) Wyatt and spells Rosaline wrong. Um, So, yeah, there's... Who's fact-checked? I I don't know. I don't know. IGN, you guys are great. You've done a lot, but it's time to go. No, and like the well, the the review for To the Moon was posted on November 29, thousand eleven, and it was even updated a few months later, and it still got it wrong. So yeah. they, yeah, um, we talk a lot of shit on IGN, but they do a lot of good for the industry. But little yeah. things like this really upset me. And with such a large publisher, I would expect some form of consistency in their critical critical analyses. Yeah, exactly. Or you know. The thing with To the Moon is like I I completely will agree on the the gameplay not really being there for To the Moon, right? It's like, but I don't think that's the point of the game, yeah, right? Exact, that's like that's exactly yeah. what I'm gonna say is like, um, and I know we talked about this last week when we interviewed um, our special guest who who we're gonna release the episode on next week. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're gonna talk about that a ton right now, but we did talk. We did interview a special guest, and they were talking a lot about story driven games. And what he said was, you know, gameplay gets mistakenly prioritized as like the number one thing in a video game when like anything is going to be what can engage you, you know. And to me, like just because there wasn't gameplay into the moon, like the story was so good that like I didn't even really like. And this is coming from me who like for those of you that have been listening for a long time really like loves gameplay element and game design elements a lot. I wasn't even like going like, oh, what the hell? Like you don't do anything in this game or like, where's the stats? Where's the combat? Where's the min maxing? Where's the explore? Where's the creative build phase of this game? Like, I'm not thinking about any of that kind of stuff at all. The puzzles are kind of neat. The puzzles are like kind of a nice break in the story dialogue to like allow you to do some sort of cool, like the puzzles aren't like, they're not hard. They're really simple, but they're kind of fun. Yeah, they're kind of fun. And like you do one like every five minutes as like a break from like the dialogue. And that's cool, which is more than you do in Dear Esther for sure. But like the dialogue is enough to like keep you wanting more. The music is just phenomenal. Um, I know we're going to jump into sound design a little bit later, but like to say that something is not good because the gameplay isn't hitting or there is no gameplay is like missing the entire point of what the game is supposed to be. Like, yeah, I really don't think the game designer or, you know, the developer is sitting around going like, Oh, like I forgot to include a battle here. Or like, I forgot to, it, one could even argue that like, it's going against the whole gameplay thing because it has a fake battle in the beginning where like, it acts like it's about to be an RPG and then it just isn't. And it's like, Oh yeah, this isn't that kind of game. You know, it's not supposed mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, it's got all riled up from IGN, man. My bad. It's just wildly bizarre. I don't know. And it just goes back to the age old question like, what is a game, right? <laughs> so yeah. that's a whole conversation for another day, perhaps. Um, but point is, and I know I kind of segued there, but oh, yeah, no. I really, with, with, with a game like this, Citing lack of gameplay is not a legitimate criticism. And if you do think that's a criticism, then you don't understand what the game's about in the first place. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's that's my take. Um, But yeah, I mean, so story story is incredible. Lack of gameplay, sure. Not a critique, though. But the story is incredible. The characters are extremely likable. And it has really great writing. Some of my favorite one-liners kind of more but there's like some like dark humor in there too one of the first things when dr neil when uh, watts walks in i think he's just like looking at john he just says i forget what the context of the conversation was but he's just like yeah i'm pretty bad at predicting deaths too so don't worry about it or something like that <laughs> and then like 
like two of the kids are talking to each other and they're like talking about things that are made up and I think Johnny's going like oh yeah I know things are made up you're like Santa's not real Easter bunnies kangaroos yeah. stuff like that it's all the stuff the adult makes up like kangaroos yeah, yeah. like what <laughs> um, and yeah I don't know and something that I really do want to emphasize about the story that I was listening to a little bit of an interview with um, the developer Khan Can sorry I don't know how it's pronounced he mentioned something that's so beautiful about storytelling as a form of communication is you're able to transfer a mental and emotional state into other people. And you totally see that shine through with this game. So well done. Well done. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, have we touched on art style? I guess we have a little bit. Um, pixel art. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah it's a um, very vibrant color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a pix- it's a pixel art game. So a lot of people are, probably familiar with that art style um i think it's great you know i think it like kind of works very well for the indie realm in general i think it worked very well for this game and um it's kind of funny um the developer in an interview was saying um you know in terms of like development resources uh the game pixel art style actually kind of lends itself really easily so uh since you're going backwards in time through memory a lot there's a lot of like crowds and individuals in the game who John doesn't really remember very well so they're kind of blurry and they're kind yeah, of just copies yeah. of other pixel art like they're copies of other sprites basically and um he was saying like oh yeah that's like kind of a cheat in a way where we don't have to build all these unique characters in these unique crowds we only have to build like 10 different unique sprites and then everybody else is kind of just a gray blob in a crowd I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever, you know, because it's like it works on the story level. It works on the resource level and it helps him actually build the game. So the art style is pretty interesting in that way where uh, the engine, which is RPG Maker, is able to kind of inform the creative decisions that get made in regards to to the game. Or sorry, the story gets to inform sort of the creative decisions in the process of making the game, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, not not too much to talk about with art style, but I just love how timeless the pixel 16-bit style is. No matter what era you play a game in like this, it's just, it always it's always fun. I don't know how else to explain it. It's, yeah. It always works, always looks good. Chrono Trigger looks great today. This game looks great today. Undertale looks great today. Would, would we, Undertale would be pixel, yeah, I guess pixel art style. I guess I don't really view it, it's funny, I don't really like think of it as like a pixel art style. Yeah, game, well, some but. of it kind of breaks through from that particularly towards the end of the game, but... I mean, yes, it does. It works. It works. Cool. All right. Sound design, man, the score, the score is great. Um, all the songs are awesome. I think the score stuck in my head for a little while and I can still kind of hear those two notes going back and forth. Um, all of it follows the mood of the game so well. And even the developer himself is, is like a composer. Um, if you just go on YouTube and look up his name, you'll find his YouTube channel. Everything is like music basically a uh, multi-instrumentalist composer um, been making music for many many years and um, it's like it's almost as if the the medium of video games is like kind of a vessel for the music um, that's how I felt yeah. a lot about this game um, it, it, like every single scene was like crafted to have the right music cue I think and like when something gets sad the music gets sad when something gets really intense or stressful, the music gets very stressful. But then when it when it's very beautiful, the, the beautiful pieces are coming in and it's it's just such great music, like really. Uh, and it's it's on that level where the music isn't calling I, the music is great, but it's not like calling too much attention to itself where you like have to sit and go like, oh, damn, this is a banger. Let me sit and listen to this. Like it's always the story first and the music kind of elevating it a little mm-hmm. bit more um which i think games games do struggle finding that balance i think a lot of the time where it's like like the golden eye uh, this is kind of an ongoing joke but like the golden eye pause screen music just didn't have to go that hard so like when you <laughs> pause when you pause golden eye the, the music is better than everything else so you just keep it paused kind of thing like this game is is def is definitely not on that level but the music is amazing uh and yeah i i absolutely loved it what do you think yeah, it's incredible. And what blows me away, too, about this game is, you know, in the same way that Toby Fox solely composed Undertale, Con uh, Gao solely composed To the Moon, uh, which is just incredible to think about. And I, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but he marries the sound with the story so well to where the sound builds the mood 
of the game. Um, and we always, and we always talk and like kind of make some of the haunting effects in certain games or, or certain moments in the game and it makes certain moments more joyous and something you and I always talk about how sound good, good sound design is the bare minimum for a game. And this goes above and beyond that where it's just exceptional. And I think between the writing and the sound design, those are the two most important factors of what make up this game. Yeah. And the well, music, the, the compose, the, the soundtrack specifically is just, yeah, nuts. Totally. All right. Uh, NPC award. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can go first. You got this one. Uh, so mine was John's friend, uh, Nicholas. All right. Yeah. I just really appreciated Nicholas asking that hard hitting question. And I don't know why that was just a moment that really stuck out for me. And yeah, for all the mentions I meant for the reasons I mentioned earlier about what he kind of brought to the table with that question kind of helped raise some moral and moral dilemmas. I guess not moral dilemmas, but I guess ethics maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure even what to it put it under. Raised some doubt or like raised some doubt. Yeah. 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 Or and it, it questions it questioned John's intentions, which I really liked. Yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah, my mind is Nicholas. Love it. Uh, mine, Joey. John's twin brother who tragically died when they were very young. So one thing that was really cool. So there's a twist. um, I'd say about 70% of the way through the game um, in the, in later half where John has like a big block in his brain that the scientists can't access. And you kind of don't know why Um, it's, it's some of his earliest memories. And one thing that um, one of the doctors picks up on Dr. Rosaline is that he has a twin, he has a, a bunk bed, but they never saw any memories of him having a brother, right? Going backwards through his whole life. So when you go to his earliest childhood memories by jogging his memory with smell, uh, the smell of roadkill, you actually are able to go back to his childhood and learn that he had a twin brother that his mom accidentally ran over with her own car backing out of the driveway. And it's just like this really tragic moment. His brother died very young. Um, It's a terribly, terribly sad and tragic thing. It's a real thing. It feels like, it, it doesn't feel like, contrived at all you know it just hits it hits very very well and joey never really lived but in the end the scientists decide to take the direction to allow a life or a fake a fake life where joey did live right and um and i'm gonna skip to my favorite moment um in in this in this section here which is where rosaline says he can always find another river but he will only ever have one brother you know and that you know, that just hits really hard. You know, I have a couple brothers myself. I've mentioned it. Producer Sam's my brother, you know, and um, Matt, I know you have you have a sibling as well. And it's just that that sibling, like the pain of potentially losing a sibling is like so palpable and like so, so scary. And like, I mean, especially just, a twin brother, it's like literally losing yeah, half yourself. Yeah. And like and it, it just hits really, really well. And um, the scientists basically give him his brother back in the end to live his life with his brother. Uh, and John makes up like his memory kind of creates what life would have been with him. And Joey's like a great guy. He turns into a writer. He like writes books. He's a supportive brother. He's like around him in like school and high school. And like it, they start kind of going through all of these memory, the, all the memories that you went through in the first run, Joey then appears in those memories. So like he's there mm-hmm. with Nicholas, he's there with with Nicholas's wife and stuff. And it's it kind of just becomes this great like what if dream sequence in the end. And it's but none of it really happened. You know, it's all just a memory that the scientists kind of created um, out of whole cloth. And it's this like simultaneously tragic, sad, but also like heartwarming moment that you don't really know how to feel. It's, um, it, it's yeah, it's so weird because it pulls you both ways at the same time. It's totally. like that's so nice because he gets to have his life with Johnny, with his brother, Joey, with his brother. But then it's also, this but he is didn't. Almost, this is weird. His brother's actually dead. Johnny doesn't even know that his brother died now. Yeah, it's very, very weird. Yeah, it is it's very, like, very weird. But like, it doesn't make it any less real, is it? Like the way the game treats it is like it is just as real. Like it is just yeah. as valid. The uh, the fact that he now like lived this full life with his brother. Um, he eventually goes to the moon and like fulfills his dream. In fact, it's revealed that I, I guess this is like the final spoiler is it's revealed that his brother was the one that originally had the dream to go to the moon too. And like, 
uh, it it just kind of like it it hits it it hits really really hard I think um, because well one it's a tragic thing that happened when like a, a brother a twin brother dies but it's another thing to like pull the audience in two simultaneous directions at once where you you know factually that it didn't happen but you're willing to accept that it did because you want Johnny to be happy too and you know that like in a sense it's still just as real um so it's it's just a really powerful thing and it's i think it's brought on by joey which is why he's my mpc award um man. did he is he the one that pushed johnny to the moon i thought river did when they made that promise to each other well johnny did have joey did have the dream of going to the moon too because like he was he did say when he was a kid like oh yeah was that the manufactured dream or was that actually a- that was that was supposedly real Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. I believe so. I might may, may be wrong on that one, but um, I mean, actually, yeah, you might be right. I think River wanted to go to the moon, yeah, because the she said the lighthouses or the stars are like lighthouses in the sky. Yeah. Oh, and they right. said, if we ever forget each other, we'll meet on the moon. That's right. Or something like that. That's yeah. right. My apologies. And that's why John wanted to go to the moon. Yeah. yeah. But he Never forgot went. because the death of his brothers yeah. made, him for, made him block all those out. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, good game. Really good, <laughs> really game. good game. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Companion piece pick. We have the same one. Let's just, just come out. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, Lucas linked me an interview with um, the developer to check out earlier today. And then he mentioned to me, um, oh, then the, the developer mentioned our companion piece in that interview. And I already picked the companion piece before I even listened to that interview. And I think Lucas did it well. So, yeah. Obviously, it was very clear one-to-one inspiration there. Uh, Lucas, want, Eternal want to reveal Sun- it? Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. uh, by, uh, directed by Michelle Gondry, starring uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, great, great indie film. And uh, the developer, Con Gao, Can Gao, um, actually cited this film as inspiration. Uh, similar vibe, you know. Um, for those of you that don't know, the plot of Eternal Sunshine, it's basically about um, a procedure that can be done um, to make you forget a loved one. Um, and sort of like the repercussions of doing that. Uh, Jim Carrey goes through a really, really sad breakup and decides to try and forget um, his ex-girlfriend. Um, and through through a whole night, scientists are deleting and altering his memories. Um, and the question comes up of whether it's really right or worth it to, to forget a loved one, right? No matter how painful it is. Um, so yeah, great. Oh, I, I love this movie. It's funny because I recommended it to Matt not too long ago. I literally um, watched it for the first time, I think, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, crazy. For any of those of you going through a breakup, um, it's it's an uh, incredibly poignant breakup movie um, and hits a lot of um, of heartstrings. Uh, for those of you that have always wanted to forget or been through something very painful and you do want to forget, kind of calls into question over whether you should. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's totally a companion piece pick. I mean, the creator of the game himself cited it. Um, and I was thinking it almost the whole time, <laughs> all the way through. Um, it's funny, Eternal, this this game is the opposite of the goal of Eternal Sunshine, where Eternal Sunshine is like destruct, destructive memory, where you're, you're actually, trying, actually trying to erase something from mm-hmm. your mind, whereas um, to the moon, is they're trying to build something within his mind, something brand new. So a little bit of a different perspective there, um, but both some, both like, you know, drama comedies you know have humorous elements have like really sad elements and um kind of have that similar tone even where they're both like yeah they both have like moments of like oh this is funny like i need to laugh like this is a this is a joke clearly and then oh this is like very tender and this is like tragic or this is sad or this is just just good (laughs) so eternal sunshine great movie yes for all the reasons lucas just mentioned yes (laughs) Uh, favorite moment you already went over yours uh, mine Go was when it. John gets braided by Nicholas um, again for all the reasons I've already mentioned yeah um, great nitpicks I didn't have any yeah mine is just and this is not necessarily nitpick if you go in with the right expectation it's just you're not going to find a lot of gameplay in this game that's it I'm not going to say and I, I phrase it that way very intentionally you will not find a lot of gameplay in this game that is not like a judgment call I'm not saying there's no gameplay or anything. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, this game, I'm critiquing it for not having that necessarily. I'm saying the expectation needs to be reset 
when you're gonna play this game. Just like, if you like reading a good book or you like watching a good movie, treat it like that. You know, you're gonna sit by, you're not gonna do that much. I poured myself a drink, listened to the music and played the game and I was, I, I had an incredible experience playing this game over a couple of nights. Um, just, and also the game is better with headphones. Um, tried yeah. that. It says it at the beginning. Um, it really is. Uh, the music is is really at the forefront, and uh, and you will get a lot out of it. So you're not meant to play this game for the gameplay. You're really meant to play it for the story and the sound and all that. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. Uh, Lucas, would you play other games from this developer? Yes, I actually really would. Um, I was looking at Freebird Games' website, and I found some pretty cool things. Um, their newest game is called Imposter Factory. It's They're all within sort of the same universe of Sigmund Corp. Um, all the games kind of have to do with the same two main characters going backwards in time um, through the memories of people that are dying to kind of give them a different life. Imposter Factory sounds pretty cool. The The slug line is um, a bonkers time loop tragic comedy murder mystery thriller featuring multiple casualties and a suspicious cat from the creator of To the Moon <laughs> and Finding Paradise. Um, sounds super cool. It's actually cool. gotten really good reviews. It's, got, it's gotten the best reviews, I think, other than To the Moon. Um, yeah. It might even have better reviews than To the Moon in some places, but yeah, uh, looks really cool. All of them kind of follow that that art style, um, or I mean, that follows the same art style as the other one. A Bird Story is another one that's um, uh, the slugline is simple narrative taking place between the mix of a boy's memories, dream, and imagination. Uh, so there's some really great, <laughs> really great short little sluglines there from Free Bird Games, and I would definitely play these. Uh, like when I'm in the mood for, you know, a weekend story or an emotional reset, these are, these are definitely the direction to go. Yeah, absolutely. I am actually really curious to check out Imposter Factory. Uh, definitely. I'm going to add this to our Excel list, Excel list of games to play actually. Um, cool. Yeah. So moving on final conclusive thoughts. Uh, Lucas, this is in your seal of approval. Absolutely, it does. Um, last, you know, the only thing I'll say is, um, you know, if you're looking for an emotional experience and a really good, a really great um, original story, you'll just love the game. Um, but to be clear, you know, I don't think the game is for everybody. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of modern gamers who are not super down with pixel art style. I get it, that's okay. It's very, very good at what it's trying to be which is a sincere story, a really beautiful story, one with good humor, um, a lot of tragedy, uh, but ultimately like kind of bittersweetness going on in the game. Yes, love it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I adore this game. I think everything it sets up to do, it does perfectly. And if you understand that of, as far as games that are trying to tell a story, that's the focus. I think this can be looked at as a shining example of how you tell a good story in a video game. Totally. All right. So we will now give our final rating on the game. For those of you listening for the very first time, uh, this is where we each rate the game out of 10. We add those scores up and the score out of 20 is the score for, thanks for playing. All right, Matt, let's give it our score. Three, two, one, nine. Ten. Oh, wow, you gave it a 10. Mm-hmm. Dang, this is a Matt 10. This is a Matt 10. I, I was thinking about wow. it today. Yeah, I was thinking about it today a little bit, and I actually, as much as I just shit on them, I was actually listening to GameScoop over the weekend because uh, I wanted to hear them. Or no, I was listening to Beyond Okay. by IGN, their PlayStation podcast, because I wanted to hear what they thought about Elden Ring. And I forget his name, but the the guy that reviewed it gave Elden Ring a ten, and he talked about like what his criteria for a ten is, and he talked about like the game is just incredible all around, or like a game is really a shining example of what a genre can be, and for like storytelling RPGs for me, I think this is a shining example of what they can be if you're just looking for a great story in video games. Um, I think it's incredibly written. I think it's better written than. Any, um, probably maybe even any game we've done for the podcast. It's like right up there with Stanley Parable for, or not. No, Stanley Parable's writing is what's saying. It's like right up there with Beginner's Guide for me. It's right up there with like Oxen Free. Yeah. Um, Doki Doki. 
yeah. as far as like oh, wow. We've the narrative goes. Outer yeah, Wilds. Outer uh, Wilds. I mean, wow. Spec Ops. All of these mm-hmm. are like amazing stories. And it's yeah. it's right up there for me with amazing stories in video games. And it just, it raises so many interesting kind of ethical dilemmas and moral dilemmas and like has you questioning you know, characters' intentions, and it does all this in a very short, contained three, four hour experience. So, so wonderful. Such a beautiful story. 10 out of 10 for me. Man, love that. Love that. Well, hey, for those of you developers out there trying to get a 10 from Matt, you now know how to do it. They can probably do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that puts <laughs> honestly, game- too, that's, um, that's, that's also like, almost automatically gives something a 10 in my book if it can make me cry. Um, and that's why Bridge to Bear Terabithia got a 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, that movie made it. That movie like totally ruined a whole generation of kids. I don't really... Yeah. Still don't get it. Still don't know why they did that. Seemed like a weird creative <laughs> choice. Seemed like, seemed like a weird creative choice, but okay. Yeah, just kill yeah. the... Kill like the 12-year-old girl. Um, yeah. Okay, this puts, this puts to the moon... Sorry for those of you who have never seen or read Bridge Terabithia. Uh, we saved you. We saved you a couple hours of tragedy. This puts to the moon in the 19 uh, out of 19, which puts it in the Naruto Sasuke Achievement Award, earns it the Naruto Sasuke Achievement Award, which is really cool. Not a lot of games really get that award. Um, so that's that's pretty cool on our uh, rating scale, Naruto scale. Really good. Really incredible, yeah. No, this game's great. I was honestly not expecting to enjoy it again as much this time as I did. So I, yeah, I love it. I love this game. All right, I think that is all we got today, Matt. Where can the good people find us online? Can we announce our guest next week? Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, uh, everyone. Next week we have a really exciting interview coming out, and in, in lieu of anything's possible, we have a very exciting interview coming out with Dennis Dyack, the head developer and creator of Eternal Darkness. Really fun interview. We talked about uh, actually we didn't really talk about so much specifics of Dead House Sonata, the game he's currently working yeah. on, or Eternal Darkness. Even what really we really kind of dove into more game Cult, design aspects, culture, like culture of culture, games, everything. Yeah, and really just kind of dove into the mind of Dennis Dyack and kind of got an idea of, I think, how he approaches games games and some of his philosophies behind um, making games and game design and kind of his approach to all that. So really, really awesome interview. It was a wonderful guy to speak with. So definitely look forward to all that. comes out next week, which will be March... March 10th. March 10th. So yeah, yeah. look forward to that, everyone. Um, super, super exciting, too. Um you know, we'll, we'll definitely plug everything for Dennis in the Discord and on our social media page um, when the interview comes out on March 10th. But um, yeah, we're throwing it up on YouTube. Um, we're trying to cross promote it with his company, um, Apocalypse Studios, and just an extremely, sh- extremely smart guy, um, mm-hmm. veteran of the games industry, been working at, in it since the mid 90s, um, two CS degrees, well educated, family oriented, really, really cool guy. Um, and it's, it's just turns out me and Matt are really good interviewers. Uh, we may have a career in just interviewing people down the line. <laughs> well, let's not toot our own until we get the public reception out there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think we did a good job. <laughs> we, I, th- I think so. Yeah. But uh, all right, everyone, that is all we got today. Uh, remember, you can find us online on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at TFU Podcast. That's TFU Podcast with an S at the end. Uh, you can shoot us an email if you'd like at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. And you can find our website, thanksforplaying.live. And don't forget in the link tree and all of our social handles and on our website, you can find the link to join our Discord. Come hang out. It's a good time. Uh, we have a lot of fun on there. And if you want to hang out with your good buddy, Matt, you can find me on Twitter at Good Idea Matthew. All right. And you can find your host, Lucas Luna, uh, by following me on Instagram if you would like, like at Good Idea Lucas. Um, and you can find me, um, you know, by reaching out through the Discord. A couple people have done that already. Um, hit me up. Always talking in there. We're talking gaming news. We're talking Steam Deck, PS5, Elden Ring. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty good time in the Discord. And as always, we're playing Wordle pretty much every day. Yes. Love it. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skibbity bop. <laughs>